0: And please have a seat and um, give a you know, um, I'll not give a hand, but um, I appreciate Pastor Paul. We don't have to give him a hand per se, but we could give him a hand. He got a um, he got a new shirt today and everything. I was um, wondering what color is his shirt. I don't know if it was the lighting. I think it's salmon. But anyway, you could check it out after service. I think it's pink or salmon. I don't know. Is it orange? But anyways, um, I'm just teasing with him. Um, so he's leaving now. He's running away. Uh, but anyways, um, it's good to uh, raise your right hand if you think the Broncos are going to win. Raise your right hand. Okay. Raise your left if you think the other team is going to win. Right? It, at Irvine, it was mostly Broncos, and people were wearing jerseys and stuff. Over here is a little bit more Cam Newton kind of, you know, style. So anyway, so it's good. Well, we'll see who wins. But. Um, uh, it was funny because at Irvine, everyone was running Broncos. they excited, and Pastor John was presiding, and he gave this whole talk about how <laughs> it's only a game and this. So it kind of killed the enthusiasm. But anyways, uh, <laughs> but uh, people are hiding their Bronco shirts and all that. Um, but it's so good to be here. You know, today's exciting, right? Because it's the game is happening, um, and if you are a big football fan, and you. Some of you, you played fantasy football and you lost, and you've been frustrated, and you've been going through all this, but you're kind of waiting. This is the day that it's happening. Uh, you know, all the pregame stuff, all the predictions, all the experts, going through all the practices, everything that's happening now, right? How exciting! Like, who's going to sing on the halftime show, and what's going to happen, and, and all those things are so so. Um, I know, kind of leading up to this this big moment. Um, you know, we, we get to a section now in Exodus where it's now the game time. It's the big moment. It's the moment we've been waiting for. Uh, from January till now, we've been going through chapter one through uh, all the way to chapter nine and 10. We're in, uh, we're going to be looking at eight, nine, and 10. But it's all been the preparation for this. The 80 years that has gone by since Moses was first born and sent down the water in his little ark that he was saved in. And it's been 80 years and now he finally goes and it's game time. He's going to go meet his adversary and they're going to have it out. And we know the story so well, if you grew up in church, the 10 plagues that happened. That God sends these different plagues to soften the heart of Pharaoh and ultimately they let the people go. Today we're going to look at... Um, the nine first nine plagues, and we're gonna really run through it, so don't, don't get too scared, okay? Uh, but we're gonna go through the nine plagues, and we're gonna see through the nine plagues that God is greater than all these other things, than nature and man and the, the spirit world and the idols in our heart. that God is greater, and we're gonna walk away with that conclusion that God is ultimately greater. And, and if you see in your uh, app under the sermon section, the notes, you see the full outline um, there. And you could kind of follow along in this way. Um, so the first nine, let's just run through this real quick. The first one is Moses and Aaron, they turn the water into blood. It gets changed into blood. Um, when uh, they go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, he doesn't let him go. This first plague happens. The magicians who are working for Pharaoh, they're his. They're not just entertainers like we think of magicians today, but they are his spiritual guides in a way. They are the ones that have connections with the spirit world. They duplicate what just happened. And so the water turns to blood. And we see that happening. That's the first plague. The second plague we see is the, the invasion of the frogs. And this was the best video I was able to find. And we could take a look at this little video. But this is the invasion of the frogs. All right, here we go. Um, So imagine them all over you, you know, in your mouth, whatever, right? So this is the invasion of the frogs. That was taped back in Exodus. No, I'm just kidding. But it was, I just found that there. The frogs invade. Um, And the magicians are able to make that happen as well. Now this is the, the, I think that there's a fun part of this. There's a little bit of jabbing to this, right? Because having a bunch of frogs in the land is horrible. And then now those who are supposed to be for you, they send more frogs into the land, right? So They're making it worse when they're trying to fight God, and um, there's a whole other lesson there, right? But we see that. Thirdly is the gnats. The gnats, or the little bugs, come in and they take over, they cover the land. Um, this is mentioned in chapter eight verse nineteen and this is now the time where um, the <clears throat> magicians say uh, you know they finally say this is the finger of God this is the finger of God that has done this we can't do this on our own we see this here um, thirdly are the invasion of the flies the the plague of the flies and the fourth, fifth, and sixth plagues, there is no staff that's used. The first three, Aaron uses his staff as kind of, um, you know, this is, he, he starts the plague with the staff. The last three, Moses uses his staff. So it's kind of, we break it up into three parts like this. Um, it's the plague of the flies. Now, how many of you guys Like flies, right? No one, no one really likes flies, right? We don't want flies. Like, you have a little baby, you might dress him up as a ladybug or a little bumblebee. Oh, how cute! But you don't say, "Here's a fly." Like, look at my child. Is a fly? I don't like flies at all. I don't like little baby flies. They're not cute. You know, when they're just kind of hovering in your area, you're like, "There's something bad underneath." I don't want to be near. I don't like big flies that are bold. They just sit there. They're not even afraid. And they just look at you with their 10,000 eyes, you know, and they're like green and purple and red. And I don't like flies. No, none of us likes flies. Imagine flies everywhere in your ear, in your mouth, in your nostril. I mean, just everywhere, right? There are flies, little flies, big flies, they're all over the place. I don't even like it when it gets on my food for a split second. I feel like I want to throw the whole thing away, right? Because the fly has gotten near my food. So we see this here. The fifth of the plagues we see is the death of the livestock. The livestock, the cows, the cattle, the goats, the ones that produce the milk, the ones that produce the eggs and the meat, and all these things, they're all dying. The death of the livestock. This isn't just the death of the animals. This is really the loss. It hits them economically. For the farmer, for the agricultural person, they're they're losing everything. These cows, these animals have been passed down to them. They're trying to take good care of them, and they're gone. And by this time in Exodus 9, 3, God says, Behold, the hand of the Lord will fall. And so not only was it the finger of God, but it is the hand of God. Whenever in the Bible, the hand of God, it it demonstrates his power, his involvement, his execution. So the hand of God is involved here in the death of the livestock. Verse uh, The sixth uh, plague we see is the boils on the skin, some kind of a skin disease, and everyone breaks out. Um, imagine if you've ever had chicken pox and it's just bigger and all over and everyone's starting to get it and it's like a skin disease and it's spreading in the land. And this is the first time in Exodus 9, 11, that the magicians, they could not stand before Moses because of the boils. I think it was the pain. I think there was some of the shame um, that this was finally them giving up. It was their humiliation and they cannot be in front of Moses when this is happening. They go off and hide. So it's affecting their health. Seventh uh, plague we see is hail that comes down. Hail that comes down. Um, it says in chapter 9, 25 that the hail struck down everything that was in the field and all the land of Egypt. Now, uh, both man and beast, people are getting hit, the animals are getting hit, all the crops are getting destroyed. Uh, you might have driven in a car, you might have driven, been outside for a split moment or been in school when hail comes down. You say, I'm glad I'm not out there. Um, it comes down so hard that the Bible in the ESV says the hail struck down, but uh, the commentators, and they t- comment on the Hebrew word of that, that it's not just simply it came down hard, but it smashed, one commentator says, it smashed the land. It destroyed the land. It was as if a giant came and just stepped on it and it took out everything. Eighth, we see now the locusts come. So whatever the hail didn't get, the locusts come and they devour all these things. And there's a, a footage of that. This. this happened just recently and I wanted to show you guys this. Um, so take a look at these locusts in this video. Of an hour, a giant swarm of locusts about 15 kilometers long crosses Madagascar's National Route 7. This road is normally popular with tourists who come for the breathtaking views. But today they're observing a natural disaster, a plague of locusts which has already destroyed half of the island's crops. They can create a lot of damage. They eat the pastures and then also the rice and the corn, which is about to be harvested. All right, so... um, I'm just curious, who's the crazy people that said, oh, let's go stand outside with the doors open, right? I mean, let, I mean even when it smells bad, I wanna roll up the, but anyways, they're out there and they're saying, wow, look at this, there's millions of locusts coming, right? Um, they devour everything inside, and this is happening in Madagascar, this ha- happened in Egypt, Man, you could look it up, there's other, many other instances of video of locusts coming in this way, and the last thing that happens, the ninth plague we look at is darkness in the land. It is completely dark all day. Um, the sun is blocked out, right? What do we learn from this? We, we today uh, get a picture that God is greater than all the things that we think are so powerful. It's a picture about God's power. God is greater. Pharaoh has to learn this. The magicians obviously learn this. Moses and Aaron are learning this. The Israelites, the Hebrews who are under the bondage are learning this. Can you imagine if you are under them as a slave? You've been in slavery since the moment you've been born and Pharaoh is looked upon as a God and as he gives commands, things happen. Take the straw out of the bricks, you gotta make bricks without straw. You know, don't give him food, you don't have food. Don't give him water, you don't have water. And you're living in this kind of fear, hoping you'll make it and then God intervenes. And God says, I'm greater than all those things. And there are four areas that I wanna highlight for us this, uh, this Sunday service. These four things I think that um, God demonstrates that he is greater than. Number one, he's greater than any man. Right, there was a showdown between him and Pharaoh. He's greater than Pharaoh. Uh, and he wanted to get this across, especially to the Hebrews who were in, enslaved. Because Pharaoh represented everything. Food and well-being and everything they could have. And he says, I'm going to now show you who is greater. He's greater than any man. I I don't know who you fear. I don't know who you think is big and strong and great. I don't know if it's someone at at work, I don't know if it's someone at school, a boss, someone that makes you nervous when they come in. You say, you know, they're just, God is greater. God teaches Pharaoh that. God teaches Moses and Aaron that. God teaches us this truth as well. God is greater. So if you put your fear in a man or woman, the way you get rid of this is you have to fear God more. Right? The second thing we see is that the, there is a, God is greater than all of our idols. You know, the idols in our hearts, and Martin Luther talks about our hearts being idol factories. We keep making idols, the things that we worship so easily. And today's idols are, are youthfulness, health, power, fame, money. That kind of sums it up. And people want to boast that. People want to project that. I want to be youthful looking. I want to be healthy. I want to be powerful. I want to have money. You know, and we want to go and put that out there. And we boast and brag about those things. Those are the idols. And what happens often is when we have those idols, we attach it to a god or a religion. And we think those are the charms or the good luck charms or the gods that are going to make those idols happen and come true. So the list of nine... They're not just random things like, why did he do frogs? Why did he do darkness? And why did God send the gnats? And why did God do the flies? Um, You you look at any Bible commentary, or you could even Google some of these things and it'll come up, but um, scholars have pointed out that the gods of Egypt, and the names, the archaeology of these gods, how they coincide with each of the nine plagues. For example, Hequit was the god of fertility. It was a, the body of a woman, the head of a frog, it represented fertility. So why did God all of a sudden send the plague of frogs? So many that they couldn't get away from it. It's the idea that fertility ultimately comes from God, not from this, this god, Hequit. Or Set, which was the sun god. Why did God block it out, saying, well, you believe in the sun god, I have the power to block it out as well. Um, uh, Osiris was the god of the crops. So they would go and, and pray to the God of the crops, Osiris, to have a good crop, a good harvest. God wipes it all out. Um, and so on and so forth. And you could go through all nine, but all of those things represent the idols of their heart. To be, to be powerful, to be youthful, to be uh, rich. All those things that we think in our culture today are the ultimate things. He says, I'm greater than that. And he wipes that out completely. Um, You know, in the, uh, one of the things that, um, on some of these, uh, even Catholic websites they have, you could buy certain, um, little idols and one of the things that they sell is the Saint Joseph Kit. And Saint Joseph is, is they make a little idol, a little statue about three or four inches. And what you do is he's the uh, saint for real estate. Like if you want to sell your house, you get Saint Joseph and you if you bury Saint Joseph, and there's a direction. So I actually looked it up this morning, just to wanted to make sure and you take Saint Joseph, the statue, and then you bury him in front of your house. If you don't have a yard, you get a you get a planter, they tell you and just plant put a plant, you know, and then put him in there and then you make sure he's facing outward that means that like, someone out there is going to come buy your house for a good price, right? And then, um, and then the instructions go on and says, well, after your house sells, you take St. Joseph out, you clean him up, and you've got two choices. You could bury him in the backyard. That means that he's going to kick these people out soon. So like they'll stay and then they'll want to leave for whatever reason. They won't stay long. Or you could take them to your new house, clean them up, and put them in your house and you have a, a nice house. Was Joseph a bad person? No. But it's... My idol in my heart, the desire of my heart, wanting it so much that I make a, some kind of a God out of this. And God comes in and says, hey, I know what's in your heart. He says, I'm greater than all those things. The slaves that wanted freedom, that continually complain, I want to go back to slavery. I want to go back where there was food and there was some kind of consistency. He says, I'm greater than that. And oh, how, how much we want things of our heart in so, 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 so many ways. Thirdly, God is greater than all of nature. Uh, we see here he uses nature to demonstrate his power. He uses it. He uses the animals. He uses the planets. He uses the weather. All of nature, he says, is his. He's demonstrating his dominion. We see this in the Gospels, <clears throat> in, in the synoptics of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where uh, Jesus goes on the boat, and the storm hits, and we know the story. And a storm comes, and, and it's a great storm, and water is coming into the boat. They think they're gonna drown. They're panicking, they're freaking out. They wake Jesus up, who's asleep. How can you be asleep? And he wakes up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and it gets calm. And the Bible says in Mark 4, uh, verse 39, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It's interesting, right? It tells us that there was a great calm. It was as if it was super hectic and loud and crazy, and then all of a sudden it got quiet. It wasn't a gradual going away, but all of a sudden it got quiet. And it was a great calm. It was as if the calm was louder than the storm in itself. It was just all of a sudden it happens. Our Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates His power over all of nature. Now, we we like nature, we have people that try to predict nature, we have apps on our phone that try to show us when it's gonna be, um, you know, and, and, and all of this, right? There's a, one of the channels I flipped through at home, uh, the Weather Channel, right? Somebody, you know, like you, you never look at the Weather Channel. I, for some reason, I was looking at and watching a little bits here and there, and then I kind of Googled some of the shows that they have, right? Like, how many shows can they have on weather that it's on 24-7 on cable? And uh, there's a show on the Weather Channel that I watch whenever it's on. It's called The Strangest Weather on Earth. The Strangest Weather. And I love the adjectives that are used to describe the weather. It's almost like, uh, how do you describe the weather? How do you describe nature? And they come up with these names. And so they had three shows just about lightning, okay? Just about lightning, they had three shows. And these are the adjectives they use to call these shows, one show they called it Freaky Lightning, it was Freaky Lightning, right? I don't know what Freaky Lightning looked like, and I don't know who came up with the adjective, but they decided to call it, they saw it, Freaky, right, As they came up with that. The second thing they came up with, the next show they had was Bizarre Lightning. So it wasn't even Freaky, but this is bizarre. Like, Freaky looks like, but then this is bizarre. You know, I don't know what, right? And I don't know who came up with this, right? Maybe it was the intern, and come up with something, bizarre, you know, the source. And then they have another show, the third one, wild lightning. So if freaky is like this, and then you have bizarre, it looks strange. This is just wild. Lightning's going all different directions, right? But they have show after show after show, and we like to watch it because we think nature is so fascinating and so powerful and it could do so much. And in this passage, God has a hold of it, he uses it, he stops it, he sends it, he stops it, he sends this, he stops this by his word. We have a great God. And the fourth thing that God is greater than is all of the spirit realm that's out there. Um, there is a spiritual world. There is a dark spiritual world. Satan is real and the demons are real and there is an evil spiritual world. And We might be the only, one of the only societies in our time and age, that's I oh, I don't know, I don't see it, I don't believe it. Every other country, every other culture, they believe in the spirit world. You go to Haiti, they believe in, in voodoo and all these things. You go to parts of Africa, they have this. You go to um, India and the Hindu gods, 330 million gods, all sorts of gods that are out there. Everyone believes in the spirit world and it's a little bit arrogant of us to think, well, I'm gonna make something. No, it's out there. And God here demonstrates his power over the spirit world, these magicians that are trying to measure up. We're no rival for God. You know, as Gerald Wilson says in his commentary about this, the encounter is an initial sparring between rival gods, right? It's ultimately, it's not Moses and it's not Pharaoh, but it's the gods that are at war and the spiritual battle that happens, and why we have to go and understand this, and this is what's going on here. So what do we do? Um, and I wanted to share a couple, two applications, simple applications, if anything. Um, and really, we could walk away from this saying, wow, God is great. I think that truth, God is great, has to lead us, number one, to pray more. We ought to pray. Um, not going through the motions, not just being a good person, doing my duties, praying, but to know that my God is greater. If God is greater than all these things, we should pray. It is Hudson Taylor, the missionary and the founder of the Inland China Missions, who said this many years ago, do not work so hard for Christ that you have no strength to pray, for prayer requires strength. Don't work so hard. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't come up with all the solutions in all your ways. Go and pray. Save some strength for prayer. How we ought to pray. We have to go and seek him. Someone is uh, going through a tough time, we ought to go and pray for them. You're going through a tough time, we ought to go and pray. God, change my circumstance. If you don't, God, change my heart. Help me to have peace in you. And we ought to be praying regularly. When we come to church... Right? When we come every Sunday and we go through the motions and we're praying for the nations, and the, don't let it be something you go just go through. But pray, knowing God hears your prayers. Um, it is Pastor John Piper, and I read this, uh, where he talks about the power of prayer. And one of the examples he uses is the collapse of the Berlin Wall as they were praying uh, the end of communism and the end of the 80s. And one of the things that he talks, he attributes it to, is not politics or U.S. or Reagan or any of these things. He attributes it to ultimately to prayer and God listening to prayer. And one of the events he talks about is in 1988, there was a man named Dick Eastman who was the president of Every Home for Christ. And he took a group of people, he had a burden to go pray for Eastern Europe, and they started traveling to Eastern Europe praying, spending time in prayer. And one of the last prayers they had in 1988 was they came out late at night and they laid hands on the Berlin Wall and they prayed that God would take this wall down. And it was right after that in 1989 that the wall was taken down. God uses us. God uses the prayers. He hears us to do great things. And you ought to be praying for the walls, the barriers in your life. You ought to be praying for the hardships in your life. You ought to be praying for these things. And maybe you're praying for your spouse. You're praying for your family member. You know, you're know, you praying for your neighbor to come to Christ whatever it is. Don't stop. God is great. And the second thing, and I just want to leave this with you this uh, afternoon, is uh, to, have, to remember that God is great. Make God great in your life. I don't know how big your theology is. I don't know if God is just a simple genie in a bottle you go to for a request. Or God is some kind of just a a moralistic guide that tells you how to live. Or God is some kind of therapist you go to who gives you comfort. But He is greater than all those things. That we would go to him and remember how great he is. It is C.S. Lewis who said, if you have a religion, it must be Cosmic. If you have a religion, it must be cosmic. Why have a religion where God is so small? Why have a religion where God is not cosmic, but I could fit him into my little box? Make him big, make him cosmic. Make him your world. Moses changed through this. Aaron changed through this. Pharaoh's hardened heart melted. The magicians went in hiding. And what happened was God's will was done. these 10 plagues, I want to ask you to make God greater in your life. Next time you have a worry, you have a concern, you have something that bothers you, just say to yourself, God is greater than, and you just fill in the blank. And then you go to him in prayer. And this is our prayer for us today, that God is greater. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, you are great. The demonstration we see here in your word shows how great you are. So we now pray to you. We now trust you. Uh, We now want to go and have a cosmic view of you. God, may our view of you be great in this way. Whatever problems there are, however big they might be, you are greater. So we fear you. We don't fear anything else. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name.